Welcome to Raising Connections. I'm your host, Rayshan Mayer. This is the program where we talk about all of your critters, companions, commerce, and agriculture. Today, we have a family affair from Full Moon Farm, and boy, are we going to have some fun. Today, we are talking with Karen Fulton, Woodge Fulton, and Stephen Fulton, known as a family affair, and we're going to be talking about their other daughter, Grace Fulton. As parents of someone who is a rising star in the field, what does it make you feel like? Proud. Both Woodge and her sister Grace have both been, they've just been really good kids and really easy, and it just makes us really proud. Grace has some wonderful pictures holding a polo mallet, flashing <laughs> through w- water. You did your homework, you yeah. You can almost hear the water uh-huh. in the picture with these, and both the young ladies, I guess they're beautiful women at this point, they're not young ladies, have these gorgeous smiles on. And your husband, Stephen, said that was your fault. Well, I don't know about the smile, but... Well, the orthodontics. So. Yeah, there we go, there we go. <laughs> that helps. The looks come from their mother. The looks come from their mother. Okay. The stamina comes from you. He's not going to answer that one. When you see these young women out there competing and doing their thing, what goes through your mind as parents? Because you're both writers, you're both in the equine industry, and you met in writing lessons and farrier work. What goes through your head to see your daughters out there doing a sport that a lot of folks think might be dangerous? Well, it is. So is life, and so is driving, and so is your motorcycle, and so is dating. There are an awful lot of things that are dangerous. The girls are both very good at what they do. How many novices did Grace have to do before she could go training? Yeah, and that's, again, the preparation part of that. They both did an incredible number of competitions at lower levels before we moved them to the next level. And sometimes in the sport, people think, oh, well, I did three beginner novices, and so I'm ready to go novice. Literally not kidding. Grace went and looked that up. I I think she did probably 45 beginner novices before she ever went novice, which was probably a little bit in the same boat. So again, that's all money. And if we added up those entry fees, we'd probably throw up. But don't ever do that. We'd retire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it was definitely worthwhile. So being prepared is part of that. And honestly, I can say from our standpoint, probably when they were younger, it was a little more nerve wracking because they were still young. And so those, you know, every time you go out of the start box, you gain more experience. And so at this stage of the game. Both of the ladies have tons of experience and have certainly gone around more courses than I ever will. I remember at Iron Bridge, that was our scariest moment. That was the first time Woods and her pony were out of sight because there were woods. Cross country. So we had people staked out at different jumps to report back to us to make sure that she made So that was, again, as they've gotten older, it's it's gotten easier, I would say. Now we've been pre-cell phone days. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. That's yeah. Even, that report that was like back was not smoke, instant. Right. Smoke signals. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. was pretty nerve wracking. So. Not to say that watching girls at upper levels can't be nerve wracking. It's easier to go out and look at those great big fences after they've jumped around six successfully than ahead of time, which is really scary. But once again, they're prepared, they're smart. And, and they're well riding good horses yeah, well and are well-trained. Both girls have taken slightly different paths. Both girls are very educated as well. And in the family, the education component, as well as the education of the equine in the industry is equally important in your family. How did that come about? Different paths. I think that was, you know, Grace sort of chose, again, took horses to school, um, made decisions in colleges based on academics, but also being able to afford it so that she could have horses and do those things. Woods' path, you know, was more of the working student thing and investing time at different places, getting the Wilton Fair grant. Thank you, USEA, for that grant, um, which allowed her to go to Europe. So again, different different paths sort of concentrating on different things, but both have 
been very, I don't know if it just happened. I don't think it was knowing both of them. That was very well planned out. So. And Grace with the polos. We've heard from yeah. Woods. We see Woods. We know that we look for the champagne and black helmets. What about Grace? She's into polo. Well, she and, was. Yeah. And that really is a fairly minor thing she picked up when she was at Aiken. Started the women's polo team there. They had a men's polo team and didn't have women's and they decided they were going to do that. Grace's main thing growing up had been eventing and evented through advanced and is very accomplished. Makes us all mad. Grace can come home after six months and sit on a horse and just look beautiful. That's a natural talent. It's a natural talent. Something I've never had. And her four-star horse just had a baby last year. So he's in Woods' barn growing up. And so she... Got her master's at American University and is in D.C. doing the political sort of saving the world for the rest of us thing, which we all need. So she's enjoying that part of it and taking a break from riding as her baby horse grows up. So both you and your husband are well-educated. You have a history in the zoos. You have a history in farriering. How's that for a $3 word? Both require education. and You've inspired that love of education in both of your daughters and the current spouse. How did you do that? So many times in the world you hear, if you get your kids to the bar and you keep them off drugs, you keep them out of the boyfriend, you keep the boyfriend in the bag, blah, 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 blah. And you hear these little memes or you see them on Facebook. This is how you keep people on the right path. How do you decide what's the right path? And how did you accomplish what you've done with all the young people around you? Well, we were pleased and thank you, Barn. You better be nice to your parents, especially when the girls were younger, they were surrounded by other and it's like, you just can't have people who are rude or don't say please and thank you. We have an incredibly good bunch of people in our barn, our borders, and everybody's helpful. Most everybody at our barn now started with us, so they fit with us and we fit with them. And I think the girls being surrounded by people who are passionate, smart, educated, like to read, I think that really, it's not like we poked them and made them go be smart. They just are. You created an atmosphere that they could yeah. train in. Exactly. And there are many fine places for people to take riding lessons. And if their values don't align with ours, then there are many fine places to go. And we're not afraid to encourage people to do that if they can't swim with our direction. Which again, there's many ways to get to the same place. So Absolutely. And being able to see that head on and say, hey, this might not be for you. Right. Now, we often will say, we might not be your cup of tea. There's a different podcast you might want to listen to. It's okay. Right. Right. Right, exactly. And that takes a level of confidence as much yep. as the confidence in the saddle, the confidence in life. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about your background, Karen. You came from the zoo world. I did, always having had horses. And that was a little bit sort of, you know, of course, you can't make money in the horse industry. So it's let's find another way to uh, to do that. Um, but I started riding when I was eight or nine, um, giving up piano lessons because I was no good and hated it and started, you know, once a week in a lesson barn doing lessons. And that sort of evolved into more and more and more growing up in the Midwest and sort of the Iowa, Illinois, Indiana was not exactly the hotbed of venting in area eight. Um, it's gotten much better, which is great. Always thinking that, I, you know, the East Coast was a place to be. Did my bachelor's in animal science from Purdue University. And then in my junior year, saw an ad for an internship at the Brookfield Zoo in Chicago. And so took that opportunity. And then that sort of planted a seed in my head. So when I was graduating from Purdue, I had applied for an internship at the National Zoo. I also heard Stephen was out here. So that's why... I had to move this way. Following the beacon. That's right. Exactly. So I um, did 
um, an internship at the National Zoo, which turned, which was with red pandas and black bear at the nutrition lab that turned into my master's thesis, went to Michigan State for my master's, still had horses, had met Stephen in the meantime, as we both taught at a barn because I couldn't be away from horses and also Stephen was there. So there we go. And then that turned into a job as associate mammal curator at the Baltimore Zoo. When I graduated, I have to ask this. When I think curator, I think art and putting it on walls. Okay. And that word to me means in the art world, curating a collection of, what does that mean that you're the mammalian curator? Basically the same idea. Fortunately, I was associate curator. I was sort of the good guy and my boss was the mammal curator. So she was the hard line, but it's kind of the same thing, which is responsible for all of the care, exhibiting, exhibitions, animal behavior, enrichment. Um, I also ran the commissary with my background in animal nutrition, helped with the diets, hired all of the mammal keepers. So it was a very interesting job for seven years. And in that time, I worked right up until I had Woods that day. So had a lot of time accrued. And then at that point, we had purchased the farm in Finksburg in 1994. She was born in December of 95. And so we made that transition just because that wasn't going to work out and the, they weren't able to give me the hours that I needed in order to have a kid and work that out. So yeah, and never look back. It's a big change. And we have a great story about the Full Moon Farm and how the name came. When we come back, we'll be continuing our conversation with the family affair from Full Moon Farm. Join me, Rayshan Mayer, from Mariah Bellmanor Kennel, for our new adventure, Living Life Tales Up podcast, combining everyday life with what goes on at the kennel and farm, a bit of humor, some ideas, and some positive happy bubbles. We're living tales up, nose down, and staying on track. We hope to see you on Living Life Tales Up for five to ten minutes worth of happy, happy bubbles shooting out there in the atmosphere. See you soon. Welcome back to Raising Connections. I'm your host, Rayshan Mayer. We have to know, Stephen, why you were such a darn beacon. If you're pulling her here from the Midwest. You know, handsome. It's like the bat signal. In the Is that it? Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure about that. My yeah. husband was on a boat somewhere in the Navy, and I think I heard that bat symbol. Yeah. I'm going there. So basically, like Karen just said, Karen basically quit her job, got pregnant, and we bought a farm all the same year. It normal so sounds like yeah, a pretty, a pretty, pretty good, good business plan. Yeah. So you actually are a trained farrier. You went to Meredith Manor, and that's how you met. You were doing you were doing the feet at the barn that she was riding at. No. So we were both teaching. I was teaching at a farm in Silver Spring. Karen, when she moved out here, the National Zoo was looking for a barn. So we met there. I didn't go to doing school until two years after that. I guess it's been about 38 years, I think, before that I worked with horses, trained. And then I met Karen and everything changed. Mm-hmm. So what's your specialty in training? Trying to get things to jump. <laughs> horses. Mostly. I realized early on that my career as a trainer or rider wasn't going to be anything to retire on. Okay. And that, um, you know, we talk about different things you can do in the horse industry to make a living. Being a farrier is really one of the few very good ways to do it. I've heard most horses have four hooves. Four hooves? Yep. Yeah. Most of them, if they don't have four feet, it's not my fault. And we have people, parents ask us what their kids should do to be in the horse industry. And really, as, as a rule, it's it's such a fun to make a living in. Horse Expo used to have guest speakers. And Amy Burke, who runs the University of Maryland Equine Program, asked us one time to give a talk on how to run a successful, profitable boarding barn. We said we can, and it only takes one sentence because you can't. It's a tough business. A lot of people will see the barns and see the properties and think they're very rich. The people Mm -hmm. who live there must be rich. They have no idea how much time and effort and 
vacation money. It doesn't exist. And there are a lot of barns out there that are owned by rich people. That's great. And those are great clients. And excellent investment properties. You know, but our girls grew up with horses that one of us shoes horses, one of us teaches riding. So it's not like we have gold mines or inherited money or anything fun. You mean you're normal? I wouldn't be there. Even after daughters. There you go. Well, it seems like your daughters have been very successful. Okay. So the story of Full Moon Farm, the way I've heard it is after work, only time to get the work done at the farm because you were working jobs, having children, moving all this around, doing it in one year. And the only time to get the work done at the farm was by the full moonlight. Made it a lot easier, including riding before we had lights. So that's that's about right. That's a real passion to choose to do this together, to take the leap of faith, to leave jobs, to have a new family. Children are expensive. They are. Children are expensive. But you made this leap of faith and it worked out for you. If someone were to come along and say, I think I want to follow in your footsteps, what advice would you tell them to do? I don't oh, know. You can see these looks. Go to school, get a real job, do this for fun on the side, which didn't listen. We always tell people it's a really great lifestyle, but you're not going to get rich doing it. So again, it just depends what your goals are and what you need as a person. We're going to transition a little bit here. As long as I've got you here and you're talking a <laughs> Full Moon Farm offers a wide variety of activities. So the model you have is diversification, diversification, diversification. Yep. You have small horses that go to libraries. You have the chalet. Chateau. 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 Same difference. Yeah, yeah. the little building in the... Uh, so you have the chalet. You have all of these services. You have so many different things. Mm -hmm. You have competitions. You have not competitions. You have parent events. Mm -hmm. You get to drink wine and go hack out yep. and then do Birth yoga. Birthday parties, yoga, paint parties. Yep. Where does the inspiration for this come from? Hiring good people that are smarter than we are. And that's the key as we've gotten to be a little bit bigger. That's allowed us to diversify. And that's always been a little bit of our model. We always used to say anything that's legal that you can do with horses, we'll give it a shot. So the birthday parties, summer camps sleepovers. We've just been approved legally to have a wedding venue at the Chateau. All of those things and then bringing in new people that are maybe a little more strategic about the social media and that sort of thing. The Stir Up a Good Time, which is our adult weekend thing. Again, we can't take credit for that. That's Christine. But all of those things have sort of helped to reach different people. We're taking 10 people to Aiken um, on February 14th. 10 horses, 10 people, 10 families to go train and hit a couple competitions down there. Again, just having lots of different things that feel like they can participate in has been the key. In the article that Woods talked about between the years, she's quoted as saying, my mother thrives on chaos. Yeah, thrive is the right word, but I do okay. That's, yeah. For some people, the amount of diversification that you have going on at Full Moon Farm may seem like way too much. But does it work for you? It does. It, it does. Um, see the nodding of the head. Yeah, okay. yeah, it, it does. And we have tried different things. We were a Pony Club Riding Center for a couple of years, which is a great thing to be. Pony Club is great stable management. Like we love the model. We love the idea. But what we found is that it just conflicted too much with the things that we were already doing. So instead of being able to take adults and kids to an unrecognized competition, on the same weekend, there was a Pony Club competition, which would limit who we could take things to. And so we really felt like we were working against ourselves. Although we love the stable management part of it, we loved all that. It just took away from the other things that we needed to do and we were eliminating people. So we didn't do that anymore. The diversification is what makes you thrive. I think so. You have no two days that are the same, I would think. 
No, not in exactly what we're doing. I mean, the lessons, you know, keep running. We've still got that. We changed our scheduling system last year when we went to, um, it's called Hopti or Hopti, H-O-P-T-I, which is out of Sweden or Finland, which allowed Ashley, who's our foreign manager, HR person, it freed up probably 40% of her time that people can do its online scheduling and it works really well. It costs us some money to do that, but that's also freed up so much time that no one wants to, it's no fun Stand to Stand on the phone, returning calls over and over and over. So this sort of streamlined the whole scheduling thing, which was great, which was a huge thing. And now that people know how to do it, it's been a real, a real benefit for us. So if we want to schedule and we want to come find out, where do we find you and how do we find out? We're in the equerry. <laughs> you definitely have to see the equerry. Our website is fullmoonfarm.com and that would be the place to start. And you can scan through that. And that would, if you want to schedule a lesson, that links you to the Hopti website and you can go from there. And you can always pick up the phone and call us if you're not sure how to do that. Where are you located? You're actually in Carroll County. We're just over the line. We're in Finksburg. So we're very convenient to Baltimore City, Baltimore County, obviously Carroll County. We have a lot of people that ride from Howard County that take the drive north right up 32. And that please and thank you, Barn. I love that. It's one of the basics. It's important. Yeah, it's really important. So you come, you get some life skills, you get some balance, you get some people who might feel the way you feel. Right. And you start building your community and you find your path forward. There you go. All the way from the old ones to the young ones. Yes. And we have young ones and old ones riding. I don't know who our oldest rider is, but we have people older than me. In their 70s. Yeah. We're doing it and having fun. In a barn, time is ageless. You just don't have to age long. It's funny when you talk to people sometimes who don't ride, they're like, oh God, I mean, I'm 45, I'm too old to ride. It's like, yeah, don't talk to me about being too old to ride, you know? (laughs) Thank you for joining us. If we want to learn more about Full Moon Farm. Where do we find you and how do we get in contact? Our website is probably the best link, which is fullmoonfarm.com. We're also on Instagram and also on Facebook. We've got a couple of different Facebook groups and you can also private message me, Karen Fulton, on Facebook as well. And the farm number is 410-795-8371. And if they call, find out, did you come from the equiary? Did you see yeah, our there you go. <laughs> Where did you come from? How did you find yep. us? Yeah. Welcome to Full Moon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Karen and Stephen and Wood, for joining us today. I appreciate all of your time. And thank you for being part of the Maryland Horse Council. Thank you. This program is a production of Raising Connections Media Company, hosted and produced by Rashan Mayer and edited and mixed by Robin Temple. For more information about our programs, visit RaisingConnections.com.